Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net. And be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. In addition to what's listed there, the show is also on the likes of Overcast, Himalaya, Podcoin, Player FM, and more. Joining me today on location at the Summer NAM Show in Nashville, my guest is an indie folk artist from Memphis who plays the guitar, piano, and the omnichord. Rolling Stone magazine deemed her the number one most robbed contestant on season four of The Voice. She is currently in the midst of writing 730 songs in 730 days. You've been hearing a song of hers called Denim and Diesel. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Grace Askew. Hello. Thank you so much, so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Of course. Appreciate you making time for it. Yeah. Let's start with the song of yours that we just played called Denim and Diesel, especially since I was talking over it. Tell the listeners <laughs> all about that song. Um, I'm just, I'm so excited to release this next album. That's going to be the title track. And um, I always like to say I'm a highway child. I, I grew up to the humming of the highway in the distance. Um, we grew up, you know, out in the boonies and you could still hear the highway a little bit, you know, when the wind blew right. So I grew up to dreams of all the places I'd travel to one day. And I now drive an F-350 Ford diesel truck across the country by myself on tours. And um, so I um, I was very inspired by a lot of travel photographers that I discovered on Instagram during ah. a songwriting challenge. And um and uh, Denim and Diesel is one of those. It was a Stetson photographer's work that I was just blown away by. And um, Denim and Diesel, was, you know, was spawned from one of his photographs. And then I, wow. that led to a lot of cool opportunities last summer with Stetson and Wrangler and, and lots of travel. So Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Well, we're uh, required by podcast law to make sure that any guest who's on the show that was from one of the reality shows that we talk about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's get it out of the way okay. and start with talking about The Voice. You were on season four, Team Blake. And ironically, that was the same season as Holly Tucker, who listeners, she was the guest on episode 273 of this show. And it was at different points during The Voice, but both of you were eliminated by the Swan Brothers. I believe that you were up against them in the knockout Knockouts. rounds. Knockouts. Okay, yeah. I didn't so realize she was eliminated by them as well. You have a half-hour YouTube video about your voice experience. Not, not my, Mind you, listeners, you can go look for it on Grace's YouTube channel. She's not knocking it. She's just talking about it. But Very honestly. Condense that for our listeners. Describe your voice experience. Um, yeah, it was just a boot camp for how to be a rock star. You know, it was just the kind of the level of um, experience that I got on that is something I'm very grateful for because I was not as confident on stage until the voice happened. You know, I was a road dog. Like I was a songwriter. I was not interested in TV. I didn't even watch the voice. And when once I got off the show, I didn't watch it honestly, because that's just, that was never my thing, but I wanted to do it just to see what could come of it. Why not? I was going to ask you if you say I was just a songwriter, I wasn't that. Yeah. I was going to say, then why did you do it? My mom was wanting me to do it just to please mom. (laughs) I was so, (laughs) I wasn't even nervous because I didn't care about, you know, getting on it. So I walked in and did a Tom Waits uh, song in my initial auditions. And they're like, 
do you know any more mainstream songs, you know, that Mass America will know? And so I did a couple more, and I got the callbacks months later. So so were you fortunate enough, I'm thinking of an episode of Now Hear This Entertainment a couple months ago when I talked to Chris Richardson, who was on, gosh, I hope I'm saying the right show. It was a long time ago. I think it was American Idol. And he revealed during that interview that he and I did that he actually auditioned, I think it was three times before he finally, was it, was it oh, your it's, very first it's, time? No, it was, um, you know, you, they prepare you for three months for 90 seconds of your life. That's how extensive the auditions are. It's like five rounds of auditions probably that I went through. Wow. And the farther in you get, the more intense they get. Because it's like Carson Daly is in one of them. And then the next one, you know, it's just smaller rooms with more and more intimate uh, um, auditions with the producers. And And eventually it's you and three people inside of a phone booth. Isn't that true? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Blake Shelton. smaller and smaller. Here we go. Oh, and we're bringing a guitar in the phone booth. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Well, here's the rest of the story, listeners. I mentioned in the intro that Rolling Stone magazine deemed Grace as the number one most robbed contestant of The Voice season four and called her, quote, raw, real and righteous. So I wonder, did their writing that give you any sense of vindication? It was nice. I mean, of course, it's always nice to have Rolling Stone say something about you, you know. It, yeah. was, it was really cool to see that happen and to see a lot of uproar from people and outrage. But I was ready to go. At that point, I was not having fun anymore because there were so many people dropping like flies that I thought were true artists. But that's the whole point. The, the whole point of the show isn't to, like, have true artists make it. I feel like it's the really moldable younger people who they need to go far who don't really quite know who they are yet those are the ones who really go far you know because it's, it's a tv show at the end of the day so as we start to kind of bridge the gap and go over towards all things grace ask you meaning leaving the voice behind i wonder and for your benefit there are a lot of listeners to yeah. this show who are up-and-comers themselves aspiring performers that are trying to learn from my guests and from myself right so when you hear about Rolling Stone saying what they said does that happen on its own or does the voice have a PR firm or do you have a PR firm how does no, that, that get just in happened Rolling Stone? on its own okay yeah okay. because I think some of these listeners are saying how do I get Rolling Stone to recognize me and there's been other guests on this show who have had things said about them by publications like that and I just yeah. want them to learn the process that if you're doing good things if you're being if you. you're doing something that's truly audacious which is usually just being yourself is that's going to attract rolling stone well the first thing that someone will see when they go to your website is quote create every day and your mantra is creativity is a muscle dare to suck yes just elaborate on that philosophy especially since this show does get listeners who are creatives songwriters musicians yeah um i was just wanting to prove that you don't have to be so precious with your art because the muse is just there to be used. It wants to be used. You don't have to treat it like something you sit around and wait for. Inspiration is a muscle, you know, and the truly great masters of any craft, they showed up for it every single day, no matter how they felt. I like that. I like that. Is that a recent, at least public Posts that you went with on your website or is it oh I've had that it's, on there for no it's through this process that I've learned that actually um, it's a really great I'm a lesson I'm very grateful for I didn't you know have much faith in my craft in the in the past I definitely wrote from a place of having lived through my songs and having you know lived authentically but um yeah I just I was it was a big uh, 180 in my life the whole daily songwriting challenge 
and we're going to talk about that shortly, but I do want to give you a chance to talk about your brand new album that's yeah. coming out. Yeah. So go ahead and tell the listeners what they can be looking for. It's going to be released in a couple of days. Um, yeah, it's going to be raw and intimate. It's recorded in an old creaky ranch house in, at where I live in Eads, Tennessee, and I call it Tumbleweed Ranch. And it's my I've got my own recording studio now. Wow. I produced it myself. It's got wow. cello and and violin and dobro and pedal steel. It's, um, indie folk. I like that, by the way, that you said indie folk because a lot of people don't know how to... I don't like the word Americana. It kind of irks me. I think it's just become too much of a general umbrella term. But um, yeah, I would say it's an indie folk kind of um, Southern Gothic, Faulknerian style album. Number of songs? 12. Wow. Including one on a piano in an old haunted brothel in downtown Memphis. Wow. So wow. <laughs> so you have your own studio. So... There was never a doubt that you were going to record this there on your own. Right. I mean, I just, I've got, I'll, I'll have 730 songs to pick from. So this first album is days one through 90, I pick the top 12 songs. So I'll slowly be okay. sifting through 90 songs at a time. Okay. Okay. And listeners, I want to tell you, if you're going to be doing any recording of your own at home, do consider Tascam. We're using Tascam gear right now to record this episode. I use Tascam when I'm not on location. I have the US-42, the Mini Studio Creator, as the audio interface. I have a TM-280 microphone that I like because it really brings out the low end in my voice. I have different Tascam headphones than I'm wearing right now, but we've got our DR44WL handheld recorder here that Grace and I are using to record. And if you're trying to record demos on your own, if you're trying to record an EP, whatever it is, if you're trying to record your live shows, Tascam has so many solutions for all these things. They've got their Model 24 mixer that they launched at the beginning of this year that they're still so proud of and talking about a whole lot here at the Summer NAM show in Nashville. So get on Tascam.com and look at all the solutions that they have and get in touch Find a dealer, and you'll be on your way to doing what a lot of folks who have been guests on this show have done. You've heard everyone from Roy Orbison Jr. to country star Jessica Lynn. So many people have talked about what they've used from Tascam, so check it out at TASCAM.com. So your songwriting challenge to write 500 songs in 500 days turned into a 730-day, which years. is two-year challenge. Two years, yeah. well, Where did the idea ever even come from in the first place? Um, I was at a just, I don't know, I just was uninspired. It was December, it was New Year's Eve 2017, and I was like, what the hell am I going to do with my career? Like, you know, I've been touring for a long time, and I just, I wanted something to shake everything up and do something that was audacious that no one else had done, and that was inspired by Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if y'all listen to him. I'm a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan, but um, he's all about, if I were an artist today, I would put out a song every day because you never know what that one listener, who that one listener could be who, who helps you, your career take off, you know? You never know. So be prolific. Don't be precious with your art, you know? So you put up an Instagram post on the day of the 500th song that said, 500 days of sobriety, 500 songs written in 500 days, 5,000 more burning inside me, 5 million reasons to feel grateful to have you all, my tribe. And then you go on to say how you got to meet and collaborate with so many right. insanely talented musicians, artists, brands, yeah. photographers, writers, creatives. You talked about the song and, and the photographer, but what are or who are some of the some of the highlights? And, and by the way, is this going to end up going past 730? I think I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it at 730. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to move on and be more of a producer, um, focus on producing albums. But uh, I, yeah, I just, it's been, I've done a 
loads of co-writes, which I live stream all of them. And by the way, a lot of my, my daily songs have shifted from being live streamed on Facebook and Instagram back to back every day to being solely on my Patreon page. So now my tribe is, you know, 365 tribe, as I like to call them, they help fund my life. You know, they help me keep me creating, which is such a cool way to do it. I'm so anti record label these days. They're such, they're so useless. They are absolutely just stifling for artists. I have so many horror stories from songwriter friends of mine that are just miserable and record labels. So why not cut out the middleman and be your own, you know, just pick yourself and tap into your tribe. And that's what this songwriting challenge has definitely helped me do for sure. Find my tribe. Has there been anybody, again, the photographer you mentioned before, but anybody, when I say cool, I don't mean like, oh my gosh, Johnny Depp chimed in you know just right um i wrote a song yeah one of them was he he wrote um hemingway's whiskey which was covered by guy clark and and chris christopherson his name's joe leathers and we did a co-write for one of the days and he lives in memphis and that was phenomenal to work with him um he's also lee bryce's songwriter and i'm I'm not a big fan of that kind of music but so yeah it's just tapping into it more and more songwriters minds (laughs) well and it's putting yourself out there in a way that you're bound to meet Totally. People that you don't know that are going to, and you're going to meet some people that you're like, okay, it's a neat idea, but eh, it's not, you know, just not a good match. Right. And you move on. But right. those kind of numbers, eventually, there's going to be one or two or three or ten. They happen, and they're painful go, hey. to push through, but you just do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the creative strategies that you use is to post an image, and you ask your followers for one word, and you then take the top ten words from comments, and you use them in lyrics. And I wonder... How challenging is that? Or conversely, has it perhaps elevated some creative neurons Absolutely. and genes? Yeah, the editor, your intellectual part of your brain should not be involved in the creative process. So what that word contest helps me do is tap into that primal, instinctual side of my brain, which is the truly, you know, uh, it's the genius in all of us. It's the creative genius, which is the flow. It's like this higher power. I like this. I think it's a higher power. I feel like it's just an out-of-body experience to create. And... Um, those words, those random words help me just get out of my own intellectual brain and think of random ways to connect ideas. But do they do they ever bring out the ego that wants to turn against you and say, none of these are good, you're not going to be able to do anything with it, this is getting really difficult, you shouldn't have done 730 days, look at the words that are on the wall, <laughs> you, you can't possibly do anything with these. Does, yeah. it, does that ever rear its ugly head? It hasn't until lately, I think, just because um, I haven't properly scheduled my... I think the more of a scheduled routine of writing is what helps me push through all of these days. But I've never had that point where it's like, like you were saying, it's rearing its ugly head and it's this awful creature, you know? It's just like, I, I trust my, my instincts. And that's what I've learned through this, this daily song is to trust my instincts. And listeners, I'll give you a little lesson of my own, and and this feeds off of what you just said. When I first started doing this show, I was doing it at a recording studio, and I would get nervous because the guests would give answers that were too short, and I knew that I was trying to get a 45-minute conversation, and week after week, I'd sit there and I'd have to be scolded afterwards, and Bruce, trust the timeline. Totally, yeah. And it was always just get out of your head, don't don't look at how much time has mm-hmm. elapsed so far, and just trust the timeline. And now here I am, five and a half years later. That's great. And they've all come out at the same more conversational five, ten, fifteen, you know, forty-five, fifty, fifty-five minute running times. Yeah. And so it's a trust the timeline thing. And then similarly, I read a yeah. blog every Monday on my website, and I've been doing that for. 
probably going on five years. Yep. And so I get those writer's block moments. And what yep. I need to tell myself is it's only once a week. You can yes. do Grace Ask You and having to write a song every single day. <laughs> and, you know, it could I be mean, a lot worse. <laughs> but, you know, but, but, but co-writing can happen yep. in a lot of different ways in the sense that sometimes I just get guest bloggers and my problem is solved for me. And so in your case, it is nice to have someone who's a songwriter chime in. It is in so and helpful. Say, Here's an idea. It is so helpful. It's so refreshing for like the creative palette to get another brain involved. Always. I always am so glad that I booked those. <laughs> uh, but you booked those, but you booked it, meaning we're going to do a co-write, but hey, fellow co-writer, just so you know, we're doing it based on this challenge that I'm doing. Also, I tell them we have an hour cap to write this song. Wow. Which freaks a lot of people wow. out. But I'm like, you can do this. People are so scared. They come from such a place of scarcity with their creativity oftentimes because where society teaches us that. Um, the music industry teaches artists to come from a place of scare- scarcity mm. with their creativity. But it's bullshit. I'm sorry. I don't know if we can curse. But, <laughs> um, but it, it does, it's, it's not right. You know, it's, we all are innately very creative creatures, you know? Um, hold my hand a little bit on that. What, yeah. what does the what does the industry have to gain by teaching you to come from a place of scarcity? Like because, trust us, we have all the answers. Right, Give us because the money we and we'll the, the, the I think the music music industry teaches artists that we need them. Like we can't do anything on our own. That we are we need to completely rely on them, which is not true anymore, especially in this day and age. It's wonderful. I'm so grateful to be an artist with all this technology now. It's amazing. Do you ever do writing sessions away from the 730 day challenge or is it like I'm, I'm exhausted just trying to get something into that one every day I can't do other writing sessions I, I have had to write like two songs every now and then because the writer didn't want to be part of the live stream but other than that I, I, no I'm not writing more than that I do write <laughs> a thousand words per day every single day and every morning right when I wake up because that's when my mind's super fresh um, because I want to write a book about this experience so um, that's when I, other than the song, I write a thousand words, just stream of consciousness every single morning. Okay. Well, of the, as of right now, 564, 565 songs that you've written, how many would you consider putting on an album or an EP or mastering to release as a single? Well, like I said, so this first album, Denim and Diesel, is the top 12 songs from days one through 90. So wow. volume two will be the top 12 songs from days 91 through 180. So I'll take it it's basically seasonal okay. through the past year. Does that make okay. sense? So does that mean that you're just going to be releasing 12 About song Volumes and volumes, yeah. I have plenty of work. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so where do you find the time to say, okay, I've done the song for today, but now I need to get to, or is it I wait until 90 days are over and I look at them all? You know, do you understand? What's, what, yeah. How, how does that process work to say this one's going to be a contender, this one probably not? I go back and sift through each and every single one of them. I'll sit down and listen to all of the live stream performances and co- and make notes, maybes, wow. yeses, noes. And so it sounds like you're self-producing, mm-hmm. so it's not... You sit with someone else and say, what do you think? I'm thinking maybe this one. I do kind of pull my family and close friends on those ones that are like I'm on the fence about. But family and close friends is a big difference from sitting with a producer who's going to look at them entirely different from from what I would say is the average consumer. Yeah. Family and and friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's a good point. I also pay attention to the live stream comments because that way it's a perfectly, you know, it's a valid poll. The reactions of the viewers uh, to each daily song is a good indicator of, mm. you know, how well it's going to do on an album. So, Interesting. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Gary Vee before. Yes. And in the podcasting world, we all know who John Lee Dumas is. And he does a daily podcast, but 
we insiders know that he records, I don't know if it's seven or if it's eight interviews all in one day so that he doesn't have to record the rest of the week. Mm, But I imagine that you're not setting this up that way. You can't take Mm -mm. a day off and kind of backload it. Right. A lot of people actually think that I do that. They think that I write the songs in advance, but I actually like the spontaneity of the day. Like whatever I feel that day, I want it to be the song. But to what lengths do you go to communicate to to people that that's the way you're doing it and not what they think this is a setup? Um, I, I just make it clear. I made it clear from the beginning that I had just written it, and now I'm sitting down and playing it for you guys. But do you look at that as, I don't want to say responding to criticism, but maybe using it as a teaching moment to say, look, there's creative genes in us and my best is in the morning. And so I do you do, you do that so that they're understanding the yeah, process? Yeah, I talk through a lot of it, my process on a lot of my live streams, actually. Yeah, yeah that's good because the last thing you, you want is something this unique and for people to say, nah, this is all. I've had maybe two bad comments out of the past 565 days. That's not awesome. a lot of bad, like not a lot, not a lot of hate because people out there, it's scary. They're really scared to create, and it's. I think it helps people just see someone daring to suck, as I like to say, <laughs> um, and just doing it anyway. <laughs> Listeners, I'm on location at the Summer Nam Show in Nashville with Grace Askew, who you can visit on her official website at graceaskew.com. I would tell you to look at the spelling of her last name and the title of this episode, but we're going to have a link to her website on the episode page on nhte.net anyways. But if you want to go there, graceaskew.com, and you can see the spelling of her name and the title of this episode. Obviously, she's very much on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And her music is available for purchase on her website, as well as iTunes, CD Baby, and Amazon. She's streaming all over the place, Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora. And, of course, as you know, SoundCloud is one of the platforms where you can listen to the show. I'd really love for you to stay in touch with me, listeners, as much as you're always welcome to write into podcast at nhte.net. I'm talking more so about my social media. On the show website, nhte.net, you will see icons for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, we even have a Facebook group. And I'm not just mentioning all this as a formality. He's got to mention his social media. Every like, every follow, every comment, they do not go unnoticed. So please make sure that you're connecting with the show, with me, on one or more of those. Mentioning Instagram, you had one, Grace, on May 23rd where you wrote, The day I decided to begin this Song a Day challenge was the day I threw away all traditional notions of success and just followed the call of what I truly love to do, write songs. And holy Moses, the world has truly begun to show up for me simply because I began to show up for myself every single day. So it sounds like this has been very therapeutic Mm -hmm, for you. Absolutely. Uh, It can be isolating to be an artist. I'm sure a lot of artists relate to that. Um, That is, it's kind of a, you know, um, you're alone when you create a lot of the times. So um, by showing up for myself, it's, it's the way to show up for the rest of the world because we all, we all need vulnerability in the world, you know. It's like helping others who are struggling maybe with the same thing um, just deal because I've had people DM me on the regular, like on Instagram, after I post my song of the day, like I needed to hear that today. That helped me get through a really hard time. Thank you for posting that. So that's been the most rewarding thing out of, out of it all for sure. Mm, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's probably one of those things that you launched with a vision of this is what it's going to do. Yeah. And you're seeing it go totally somewhere else. Yes. And, and it's still, 
it's where it was meant to go. Yeah. But it's still something that you're pleased with the results of, even if it's not, wait, I intended it for it to go over here, which feeds into that whole thing. You, know, right, you can't right. be creative if you're trying to keep that thing in a bottle and say, this is the way it has to go down this path. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you're, yeah, nail on the head. Um, I think you have to be very adaptable <laughs> as an artist, for sure, and be willing to pivot, not have your ego involved as much. So you mentioned this briefly, the 365 Tribe. It's actually a Facebook group yes. dedicated to daily creativity. Tell the listeners more about that. I just noticed there was a need for people who were struggling with their creative process um, to be comfortable with it. and I, I, uh, So I just created this Facebook group, 365 Tribe, and I think we're up to maybe 1,000, no, maybe I can't remember how many members, but it's just a platform that's safe for everybody to post what they're working on, what they're struggling with, any kind of projects that they need help with, and uh, it's been really powerful. But creativity meaning it doesn't have to be music. It no, can be not at any all. any sort of art. Absolutely. And is this a private Facebook group? You just is ask it? to join, and I'll always, everybody's welcome. I don't know how to turn that setting off, so <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. have to accept okay. it. Well, so listeners, make sure you go find that, the, the 365 Tribe. And obviously, Grace is showing you her authenticity. It's not a group that she posts and she's never in there. They can talk with right. you almost daily, which sounds like it probably adds to your workload because there's only so many hours in the day. You're doing the song challenge. You're trying to live your life and be Grace asking you yeah. the, the person. <laughs> yes. Never mind that. Yeah. Exactly. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I guess I just made myself a Facebook group administrator also. It kind of does its own thing. People just post whenever they feel like it, and everyone's been sharing really well, so I don't really have to go in much and kind of administer administer it. You know what I mean? It's um, it's kind of its own thing now. It's wonderful to watch. But when you started it up, was, was there any sort of strategy that you had in launching it, or was there any fear of, wait a minute, if I launch this, it's going to be another hat that I'm going to have to wear, or did you just kind of throw it out there and wait and see? I'll just post once or twice a week something like a question to the group, and then um, you know just, just kind of um, stoke the fire of like what's happening in your life right now that you might need help with. So not much. It, it's, people are really open in that group. It's amazing. Well, and it's also one of the good things about social media because there's so many bad things that everybody wants to always bring out and talk about so many negativity in terms of whatever podcast or I'm sorry, whatever social media platform they want to refer to. Mm -hmm. But yet this is a great way for people to connect who otherwise would never meet each other. Absolutely. And I've talked to lots of people on the show who have found other connections that are on different continents right. thanks to social media. Yes, yes. I don't like it when people hate on social media. I'm like, I've made my, the best friends of, you know, in my life out of social media. It's amazing. Well, and to some extent, it's kind of like being a proud mom. Like, you can step back and go, look at those two people in my Facebook group right. that are connecting because I launched exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, last night, I had the chance, listeners, to see Grace perform, which is always exciting because I talk to guests week after week after week, <laughs> and yet I never get to see anybody perform. I shouldn't say anybody. It's, it's unfortunately the exception to the rule. Uh, and that was so much fun because, as I said, I could have met you today. We could have done this interview, right. and I can listen to your music, but obviously it's a whole... A whole other animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Just talk about that show last night, the Women's International Music Network. Network yeah, um, they just posted up a contest, I guess, and you could win a slot, a slot in the showcase. And then uh, I entered, and and so it was, and it was cool. It was nice to see a lot of women on stage together. That doesn't happen that often, um, and it just felt, I don't know, it felt nice. It was a good change. Uh, a good change from. 
good change from, I guess, a very, um, I'm, you know, being the main source of estrogen, as I like to say. <laughs> you know, it was nice to have sisterhood, for sure. Well, listeners, I mentioned at the very beginning of this, during the intro, I said that Grace plays guitar, omnichord, and piano, and you know that I play guitar if you listen to this show long enough. You know specifically that I play a Boulder Creek guitar, and Jeff Stramitz, the CEO of Boulder Creek Guitars, was the guest on episode 241 of this show. I encourage you to go back and listen to that and hear what makes Boulder Creek Guitars so different. I'll give you a little hint. It's their suspended bracing system, but you're going to say, what's a suspended bracing system? Listen to Jeff's words about it. Go on their website. Watch the video on there to show exactly what that's all about and why it makes the guitars sound so great. They do look good, but it's more important of how do they sound. And go back and listen to some episodes where there have been Boulder Creek artists on this show that have talked about their stuff. Dave Jenkins from Pablo Cruz was on this show talking about his Boulder Creek guitar. Michael Peterson who lives in Las Vegas, but he's been playing for years, had all kinds of success. He talked from the Songwriters Festival that we were at together in the Florida Panhandle. Chris Donahue, the bass player for Emmy Lou Harris, the list goes on of guests that have been on this show that play Boulder Creek. It's because everyone loves the way that their instruments sound. They do guitars, basses, and ukuleles, and you can find them online at bouldercreekguitars.com. It's B-O-U-L-D-E-R bouldercreekguitars.com and if you're serious enough about your playing that you want to have a discussion about having a guitar custom built for you email me at podcast at nhte.net and I'll connect you directly with Jeff Stramitz Grace I haven't asked you this yet but how did you get your start in music and since I mentioned that you're a multi-instrumentalist what was your first instrument Oh, piano, and I absolutely hated piano uh, they had to drag me to lessons but um, it, when I was 13 they my siblings and I all started taking guitar and um that was when it clicked because my writing that I'd always kind of done you know way past my bedtime under the covers writing stories and poems it just when I picked up a guitar I was like oh this is my vessel like this is it it clicked it was my friend it was my best friend so then when would you have actually written your first song 13 when I started uh, playing just learning covers is how I learned guitar and then I went to Berklee College of Music in the you know a couple years later um and uh, went to a summer program there for jazz guitar. And, um, yeah, I just, I think more of a writing has always been my first love. And then, you know, guitar is just a natural kind of process. I know you're going to know the answer to this question because no one forgets their first one. But when and where did you first perform? And I'll say, oh, gosh. you know, not performing for the family, but right. actually out somewhere. Oh, it was like a health food cafe in in the suburbs. <laughs> and uh, it was like I was playing in between the smoothie, you know, the blenders, like, blasting. And I was just like, it was, it was, you know, it was a gig. But I was probably, like, 16. Um, I wasn't playing my originals yet. It was only, like, four years later until I got comfortable playing my originals. I was playing covers in the beginning. Um, but, yeah. And that was in Memphis? Yes. Yeah. So it sounds like Memphis born and raised. Sixth generation Memphian. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Wow. Well that first that first performance that you described though, that had had to kind of be exciting in the sense of, okay, I think I I'm, I'm really gonna go somewhere yeah. with this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I it wasn't until I was in college and I, I was miserable. I, w- I went to Loyola in New Orleans for music business, and I was, like, miserable. I just didn't like New Orleans at the time. 
And I had Sun Studio posters all over my walls. I was reading John and Cash's bio, and I was like, "What? A, I need to go home. Like Memphis is where I need to be." So I dropped out and pursued music full time, starting then. So that was nineteen, and started playing all the dive bars in Memphis. You know, you're playing for PBR. Your start time's <laughs> like eleven o'clock at night, but you know, I loved every minute of it. So. So you mentioned that piano. You didn't like it, but you've somehow come full circle. I somehow circle. got back to it. I wish I pursued it a little bit more, but I just didn't have a teacher that really was, you know, made it cool. Piano wasn't cool. Guitar is cool. <laughs> but what made you get to a point where you decided I'm going to bring piano back and I need to I need to have this as a part of my arsenal oh, after just all? Getting bored with the guitar, you know. I haven't been I've been writing a lot lately, especially, and I get bored with my own uh, skill set. But what advice do you have for multi-instrumentalists mm-hmm. out there who, I see a lot of people who, in my opinion, sadly, and now I'm going to finish the question, my opinion was the word sadly, who sadly play piano and then they say, oh, it's too difficult to tote a piano around, so I'm going to abandon piano and I'm just going to play guitar from now on. What, what right. advice do you have to them? Because I, I feel like you're so much more marketable if you can, and you know, if, if the list goes on, if you just sing, you should learn to play an instrument. If you learn to play an instrument, you should also learn to write songs. And oh, then beyond that, maybe you should learn a second instrument. Absolutely, right. Because to be a really, like, artist, quote-unquote artist, and not just a musician, that's how you, you have to learn multiple things. You have to broaden the portfolio, so to speak, you know, diversify it. Um, I feel like that you're going to be taken way more seriously that way and go a lot farther for sure. But for someone who says, I got to abandon the piano because it's too big to lug around. Well, then there's keyboards. I mean, I don't, that's just being lazy. I don't know. There's keyboards. Like, those are great. <laughs> and it will make you stand out. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll make you be different that, yeah. you know, than all the people that do get up on stage Absolutely. with just a guitar. Absolutely. Yeah. So for the people that don't know what an omnichord is. It's just a vintage, weird instrument from the 80s. Mine was from 1983 that I found on eBay. And um, I played a show here in Nashville, actually. A girl was playing one, and I was enamored. And so a couple months later, I I bought one for myself. And it's like a harpsichord, but like an electronic version. I guess that's the best way to explain it. (laughs) And yes, listeners, I did think of Lurch from the Adams Family when I heard her say harpsichord. (laughs) Uh, So we're doing this interview here at the NAM show. History with NAM at all? Any? Um, No. 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 <laughs> but it being that this is here every summer in Nashville, there's yeah. there's never a desire. I need to get over there to one of those and look around. and. Um, not particularly. I'm not really a conference type person. Um, I'm just a Memphian, hardcore Memphian. But so. would you would you consider yourself a quote-unquote gearhead or not necessarily? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. People come up to me like trying to talk to me about my gear. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I don't care about my, like, just knowing my gear I do, it's my toolkit. I don't need to know actually all the details of it, you know? I don't, that's just that's just how my brain functions. Okay, but on the flip side, you mentioned before about your studio and that you just record on your own and you don't go elsewhere. Right. So, so what, what hardware and software do yeah. you use that yeah. the listeners can say, yeah, I use that too, or I don't know what she's talking about. Let me look that one up. Right. Um, in terms of gear, is that what you're asking? Both hardware and software. I use Ableton. All the way Ableton for my software, um, and that's how I use like my stems. If I want to do more electronic music, which I do sometimes live with the Ableton put to push tat to push pad, um, I use Ableton, and then I have a Ventec as my preamp, and then um, Element eighty eight Apogee. 
and um yeah okay okay well you've won numerous songwriting awards including unsigned only first place americana the international songwriting contest and the john lennon songwriting contest won the grand prize what songs or performances were you submitting for those different awards that you were winning um all originals from different albums um yeah i mean it's pretty much it it was just different projects um they were all in the americana americana category when i would win it and the john lennon international one was just um first place across the board it wasn't americana so that's outstanding yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> You've been signed by Stetson Wrangler and help me with this word, Tacovis. Tacovis, yeah. It's an, as um, a model slash spokeswoman. Did you approach them or did they approach you? It was through the Stetson photographer that I wrote the Denim and Diesel song, you know, inspired by his work. He had connections with the Wrangler and he got me roped into this really cool photo shoot last summer at White Sands National Monument down in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And um, ever since then, I've worked on and off with them and... Um, it's not really, I wouldn't say spokeswoman. I just say I'd, I'd modeled for them and they would give me the clothes and payment for, for doing it. And, um, it's just a chance to work with dream brands. I always like to tell artists, like, think, think more about the way you post on Instagram. It's, you are, we're not just artists anymore. We are lifestyles. We are, we are brands, you know, we all are. And I speak to only brands that speak to what I stand for. So Stetson and Wrangler are legacies. They are like you know, they're, they've been around forever, you know, and they speak to like, you know, more of a ruggedness and authenticity. Um, so that's why I love working with them. It works for what I do. Is modeling something that is kind of on your radar in terms of you were, there's a difference between, I was glad to get that opportunity versus I was glad to get that opportunity because I am trying to develop more of that branch of the Grace Ask You brand. I love fashion. I'm not going to lie. So it's fun. It's just really fun. Um, well, but I'm thinking of Cole Frederick from the band Undecided Future was on this show and talked about how he got a modeling opportunity in New York. And from that came a chance for his band nice. to play one of their original songs. And I told him that on episode 175, Katie Bell, she lives in Georgia, and she said she finds the same thing. She goes on a modeling gig, and she gets an opportunity to do her music, or she's doing her music somewhere, and they say, oh, I didn't know that you're a model. Yeah. Let's have you bring the two together. So I didn't know if that was yeah, something absolutely. that you're... That's, yeah, that's a really good point. I do, like, if I get a modeling job out in New Mexico again, I'll book tours around that. It's, it works great. It's like, you know, I can work, and I can have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, if you're not clear yet on this grace you are completely independent no record label you formed ask you entertainment llc you're your own gm and booking agent so do you do you like being in control or is it more out of necessity i think a manager is still what we're on the on the market for a manager is really important for artists to have um they are what kind of lays out the strategy that an artist can't do you know now, you released two albums, Scaredy Cat and Until They Lay Me Down to Rest, as Grace Askew, and another album called Self-Titled Album under Grace Askew and The Black Market Goods. Yeah. What happened to The Black Market Goods? There's just one album I wanted to try having a band name. Uh, <laughs> it was just, you know, okay. experiment okay. with it. Um, your most recent album, Scaredy Cat, not counting the one that you're releasing now, that one was all you as well? and there was none of, mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Amazing, amazing. (laughs) 
So other than continuing the songwriting challenge, uh, what is next in terms of tour dates, where locations, things like that, where can people go see Right. You? Um, bigger picture for sure. And like in the long-term goals would be um, leading my own songwriting workshops and retreats and having online songwriting courses because I've, I've learned so much through this process. Um, I get less, I mean, DMs, like I was telling you a lot from people wanting, you know, some kind of lessons or courses online. So I'm definitely, that's in the future and producing more albums. Yeah, I'm interested to hear more about that because you said that earlier that you really see going down a producing lane more. So is it, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize it, but is it that this whole thing is on autopilot, so to speak, the song a day challenge and and you obviously have flexed that songwriting muscle muscle so much that now it's, I want to explore the producing and and spend more time in that realm. Right. The more you tap into your creativity, it's just going to be more natural. It's going to be easier. So it's not that it, not, not, I wouldn't say autopilot, um, but it's just easy now. Um, there are days where I get bored with myself, so I have to kind of get out, you know, make myself a little uncomfortable and try a new instrument or something. But yeah, I think it's it's time. It's time to kind of like move on and and work on um, being a more of a studio studio rat. <laughs> okay, but let me put you on the spot though. If someone hears this interview and all of a sudden says, "Well, I'd like to, ha- I'd like for her to produce me." Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I've already had several Memphis artists that want to work with work with me in my studio. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, let's just follow back up to the way we started off, which is one closing thought on the reality shows. Would you encourage people if they're feeling so called to try out? Should they do it, or it's a waste of time? I sure do it. Why not? For sure. It's, <laughs> and you know, like why say no if you're going to get invited? Yes, go and always be yourself. Like, don't try to mimic anybody for that show. They're not going to be interested. That's just bottom line. I sat through some of the cattle call auditions myself and watched. And it's people just mimicking other people. Just mm. if they are so blown away by people who just are real. So, yeah. Well, we're going to close with a song of yours called Providence Road. So before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song. Yeah, um, it's kind of just that time when I was telling you about New Orleans. I just didn't get it. I didn't want to be there anymore, and so I felt kind of lost, and it was kind of letting go finally of who I was to become who I wanted to be and um, driving back back and forth between Memphis and New Orleans a whole lot. So, yeah. Well, it was Providence Road? Was that It was a, one of the exits on uh, uh, I-55. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow, that's, that's clever. I like that. <laughs> well, congratulations thank again you. on the new album. Thank you. And uh, thank you for the show last night. I oh, appreciate y'all being great there. Great to get to see you perform. Yeah. That was a, a bonus for this, <laughs> for this trip. Best of luck with, with the new album and, and with this ongoing challenge. I appreciate that. <laughs> Obviously, it's what do they say? It's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I think exactly. That's the, way the expression goes. Yeah. So in it for the long haul. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for making time to do Thank this. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Listeners, that'll do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi instrumentalist. I'll even say producer Grace Askew. You're a great interviewer. Visit Thank her you. official website at graceaskew.com. A-S-K-E-W. You can look at the title of this episode on your listening device, and we'll also have a link to her website from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Be sure to engage with her on social media. So that means like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter and Instagram, join the Facebook group that she talked about, and please support Grace by purchasing her music. It's available on her website, on iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon. Yes, it's streaming on Spotify, but... As much as you want to follow her and stream the music, do support her by purchasing her music through those means that I just described. It's also on SoundCloud and Pandora. 
And also, as I mentioned before, I'd really love for you to stay in touch. As much as you're always welcome to write in to podcast at nhte.net, I'm talking right now more so about social media. On the show website, nhte.net, you will see icons for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, we even have a Facebook group. And I'm not just saying all this because I'm wrapping up the show and you got to plug your social media. Every like, every follow, every comment, trust me, I notice them all. So please make sure that you're connecting with me, connect with the show, one or more of those, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Grace Askew. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Providence Road. Her silhouette brought me back to no free. Uptown sunrise, walking dogs to pay the rent. It's bringing back a vice I no longer need. Like an old walkway, overgrown with weeds, Providence Road exists. 68 Remembering my When I sang To a love I hate I no longer need it I no longer need it I no longer need it Yeah, I beat it I put a
I no longer 